Hello there, welcome to the International Business Podcast. I'm your host, Leonardo Marra, but let's make it simple and just call me Leo. In this podcast, I share my experiences and interview international professionals to draw lessons from the real-life stories. Coming up on today's episode... LinkedIn officially took over and they gave us all community um, leaders, all of us guidelines for how to run it, but it's still pretty laissez-faire. So we just have a, a sp specific logo we must use and we have a few guidelines to make sure we keep the integrity of the, the brand intact. Tamar is an entrepreneur based in Shanghai and COO of Genius Handsell, leading digital agency in Asia, helping global 500 companies generate leads through LinkedIn. She's also the founder of Shanghai's official LinkedIn local community. Before coming to China, she worked with various celebrities and professional athletes in the United States as their trusted editor. In this episode, we'll explore how to establish a community while living abroad and why storytelling is important. You can find more information about Tamar in the show notes with links to her LinkedIn profile, website, and more. Now, let's dive into it. Hi, Tamar. I'm glad to have you on. Welcome to the show. How is it going? Going very well. How about you, Leonardo? Oh, fantastic. And Tamar, I'll get straight to the point here. Why would you define yourself as an international professional? That's a great question. I, I think the default answer is definitely because I live abroad in a country that's not the country of my birth. But more than that, uh, I think for me, having clients and business in multiple countries now, that's super international, which actually was always my dream in college to have that. Um, so I would say that just by that definition, I, I consider myself an international professional. Tell us a little bit more about LinkedIn Local. Yes, yeah, so LinkedIn Local was created by LinkedIn lovers about three years ago now. And it began as a voluntary campaign of LinkedIn, which also involves kind of this hashtag, hashtag LinkedIn Local. It was originally started by a woman in Australia named Anna McAfee, who I actually got to meet last December, which was really cool. Oh, great. And she and some other people around the world thought, you know, we need more community for professionals, especially for people like us who love LinkedIn so much, or people who work from home a lot. Maybe they don't have the luxury of colleagues to go talk to every day. So they wanted to create their own community offline because they were having such a great time on LinkedIn. So that was the idea that sparked LinkedIn Local. And it kind of is a, a concept like meetup. However, it's all centered and focused around people's love for LinkedIn and also wanting to improve in their professional career. So now it is in over 100 countries and over 1,100 cities. And as of last year, LinkedIn officially took over and they gave us all community um, leaders, all of us guidelines for how to run it, but it's still pretty laissez-faire. So we just have a, a sp specific logo we must use and we have a few guidelines to make sure we keep the integrity of the, the brand intact. And then we always have to reiterate that we are volunteers first and foremost. 
And in Shanghai, um, I started the chapter two years ago, and now we went from 350 people to just over 3,000. So it's pretty cool, and it's a very strong, professional, powerful network, especially for people like us who are living abroad. And how do you build a community while living abroad, and why is it important? You know, I used to think I knew how to grow grow a community. Um, I'm from (laughs) California. I'm from Silicon Valley, and I've definitely run many communities. I actually, my my business background is more in nonprofits. Um, So that has a lot to do with building community when, especially when you're asking people for money, just because you want them to donate to your cause. But I discovered that in Shanghai, especially such a transient city, that you should have a process and you need to be really consistent in order to have a good community. So for me, actually, I completely changed my mind when I met my business partner, Julian, and when he helped me to put processes into place for LinkedIn Local Shanghai, that's when we really started to scale it in, in a short amount of time. And it even brought you know business opportunities for us It created opportunities for our community members. But I would say, you know, some of the most important things like beyond having a process or consistency in place or let's say a WeChat group or WhatsApp group to keep the community going online um, is really just the, the feeling that you give the community or the relationship you have with them, creating rapport with them. And then that in turn, create such a strong support group for them so that they, if they're going through a dark time, especially while living abroad or even people who are here locally, like you just create such great relationships. And that's really what community building while living abroad is about, in my opinion. And how about having this community right now in, uh, in China? while having the virus how is the community coping with this disaster that unfortunately all of us are living at the moment you know i think if we hadn't scaled the community and kept it so active on wechat it probably would have been a disaster because we haven't had an offline event since december of last year because we we all have this platform LinkedIn that we all love so much and built this community around. It was actually a pretty natural thing to keep active online in a sense, whether it's sharing posts on LinkedIn and supporting each other or chatting in the WeChat group, making new opportunities, having virtual coffee on a Zoom call. So actually, we have never seen our community so active. It's been a very interesting uh, silver lining of the virus. We definitely are eager to get back to offline events so that people can, can meet with other people. That's really important. But I think when you have something like a platform like LinkedIn and people are used to being online, it, it created this really interesting opportunity to connect even deeper with our, our community. LinkedIn now. I mean, we could probably talk about this all day long, but I believe the audience will find your words, Tamar, very valuable. Why is LinkedIn such an important asset for international business people? 
You know, LinkedIn has really changed in the past three years. Now people who use it consistently understand it's not just an online CV, but this is something that I teach my like beginner students when I'm just teaching people about how to use LinkedIn optimally. It is so important because it's still a free platform. It's different than other social media platforms because it's specifically for a professional purpose. Therefore, it's the perfect platform for thought leadership, sharing content, prospecting. Um, now there's like really interesting video features that may have, you know, piggybacked off of Instagram or Facebook like LinkedIn Live or LinkedIn Stories. But the difference is, is that because the community is so professional, it actually provides this really interesting natural boundary. So for example, if, if my dad is on LinkedIn and he treats it like Facebook and he's posting pictures of his breakfast, people are not going to respond well because it has nothing to do with a, a professional context unless he's a chef and that's why he's sharing it. So what's special about LinkedIn, especially for international professionals, is it's really powerful in, in keeping things professional. It was bought over by Microsoft uh, about a year and a half ago. So their algorithm is stronger than ever and it indexes the way that Google would. So search capabilities are incredible. You could probably find things and people faster now on LinkedIn than you can on Google. And in fact, when you do search for people on Google, often their LinkedIn profile comes up first. Um, and then also too, yeah, it's just a really interesting way to connect across industries, across countries, time zones, cultures. I mean, the demographics of my network are so widespread. I can't even begin to analyze where each person is coming from. But for me as an international professional, it just provides uh, such interesting perspectives. And I would say it really compels me to think in a different way, to take a step back and not be so stuck in my own biases, especially professionally, and wonder, okay, did I miss an opportunity? Or is this a new opportunity? Or do I need to rethink this? And then finally, if you're in China, it's the only unblocked uh, Western social media platform. So of course, people doing business in and out of China, like anything involved with China, it's so super powerful and it's this amazing global gateway. Straight question here. Three things that are must do on LinkedIn. Okay, definitely optimize your profile, which means you fill it out until the, your dashboard says all-star. And that just shows that you're not a, a bot <laughs> and that you're actually going to be using LinkedIn. Second thing I would say is really define your goals. Are you on LinkedIn to build a network so that you can prospect or get new opportunities? Are you on LinkedIn so you can share your expertise of 20 years in your industry, etc.? And then the next thing I would say is be consistent. So after you define your objectives, be really consistent with how you start to enforce everything, activate everything, and the more consistent you are in whatever activity, then it's really going to have a big payoff in the end. Tamar, what's modern day storytelling and why is it important for business today? 
That's a great question. So I would define modern day storytelling. Actually, it's, it's very similar to the old ancient ways that we used to tell stories. We just don't really sit around a fire anymore at night <laughs> and tell the tribal stories. But it's, it's, very, it's very similar nowadays. So modern storytelling definitely has to do with capturing and captivating an audience, their attention. And you always have to have a hook. So something that is interesting right off the bat. Our attention spans nowadays, unfortunately, are shorter. They're even less than a goldfish. So when we use our words or even we provide visuals, we have to really make a big impact. Like it's, it's short, you don't get a second chance. So for me, I would say like it's so important, especially for, for businesses or people who want to position themselves in this thought leadership position, which basically means you're just highlighting your expertise and you're becoming well known for it. The more you can use story, the more you can use a narrative and draw people in, the more influential you can actually be, especially persuasive. You know, for example, if you have a case study, let's say, and you only give the numbers and figures really dry, it's not so interesting. Maybe it can persuade a few companies to buy your products or services. But if you have a case study that has the story of how this company was really struggling because of COVID-19, and then they engaged with this company that started doing lead generation on LinkedIn, and everything started to change, they not only hit their margin, but went above and beyond for the first time in 10 years of business. Okay, now that's interesting. So it's all about like, you know, combining those kind of little nuggets of telling a story the way that we enjoyed even as children, but fitting it within a business scope so that people aren't just entertained, but they're informed and they stay captivated. How do you see the combination of storytelling and LinkedIn? You know, again, because LinkedIn has really become this incredible platform for content creators, even in your profile, you can use some storytelling. Like for, for me, I actually use a really old tactic of saying once upon a time for my own summary. I think if you use kind of small pieces of it, um, depending on the situation, it can just really work well in your favor. Again, it's not so, as I would say in the US, cut and dry. You know, there's some life to it. And when you add those elements, especially as a business person and you're trying to get your point across, it's so much more impactful. It's almost like an amateur filmmaker versus Disney, you know, and people always know what to expect from Disney because Disney has really gotten the formula for storytelling down. So, you know, would you rather be someone who's just kind of mediocre and Amateur telling the story about your own business, which I'm sure you, you know the, the ins and outs very well. Or would you rather shine like Disney telling a story through film that people can really just get enraptured by the message that, that you're sharing? And, and additionally, like I said, it can influence people in such an amazing, powerful, wonderful way if you use it really well. 
I love the analogy with Disney stories. And I believe, I strongly believe in what you said about the power of storytelling. I work in sales, so I love data, I love statistics, I love case studies. So numbers are absolutely fine. But when we are able, in my case, for instance, to connect numbers or data with stories, everything becomes better. It's not easy, but I think all of us should strive to become better at storytelling, no matter what industry, no matter what job we are into. Couldn't agree more. Tamar, I've got one final question I ask everyone who comes on the show. Tell us about one memorable moment from your international career, the most successful, the funniest, the most catastrophic episode, your pick. <laughs> okay, so actually a, a big part of my life is that, um, so I'm half, I'm half Latina, half Hispanic, and that's a very... Really international. Yeah, that's a very... Um, important thing to me especially who i am as a person and how i i relate culturally coming from california where spanish is the number one language spoken and i grew up really influenced by my puerto rican and salvadoran grandparents i wanted to get back in touch with my roots and i knew that we had ancestors who actually had come from spain many many you know centuries ago so i used to have a publishing firm and I was a one woman show and I landed a contract that was big enough to help me be sustained for the, the rest of the year. And I just wanted to get out of the US. I wanted to get better at speaking Spanish and I just, I wanted adventure. So I went to a small little town in Spain called Alicante where I had studied a few years prior in college uh, studying Spanish. So then I, I moved in into this tiny little sardine sized room with an apartment I shared with girls from Argentina and Italy. We could only communicate in Spanish. So I was starting to meet my goals for becoming more fluent in Spanish. But more than that, I just remember I had so much amazing freedom, especially as an entrepreneur and especially because I I was able to be financially independent. So from that time, I mean, I learned so many things and, and every day was an adventure for sure. But I actually challenged myself and I didn't have a working cell phone for five months. I only used a phone on Wi-Fi, which was very needed. So during that time, I remember I wanted to take a tram up to Valencia and along the way, I got lost, and I met this cute little old lady who was telling me how terrible it was to see garbage everywhere, and this generation was terrible, and all these things. And she actually led me to my final destination, which was incredible. Um, and then she disappeared, so I just, you know, it was kind of those eerie things, like, was she a real person? But I remember like during that little adventure and being able to speak enough Spanish to talk to little Spanish grandma, I just remember this feeling of like, I've made it at least at this point because I had that freedom to do, to do that. I had that freedom to take the day off and go and explore. And it really sparked something in me that this was the kind of life I wanted to fight for and I wanted to live for forever. So I will never forget that time, that story, that little old lady and, and that sense of freedom. And, you know, that's 
now, like as an entrepreneur, that's definitely what I'm still fighting for and working towards to, to maintain that kind of life. Because to me, that's really true freedom. Great story. I love the fact that the old lady helped you. And if you weren't able to speak the language, or at least a little bit of the language, you probably would have never gotten to your final destination. Absolutely not. <laughs> I would have just hopped onto the tram and, and gone back the other way. So shoot, it was, it was an amazing, amazing experience. Before we go, Tamar, who should connect with you? Well, you know, I mean, I just love helping people however I can. Definitely people who want help with LinkedIn, <laughs> I would love to connect with them. But anybody, too, who's interested in storytelling or using storytelling for branding, you know, those are kind of my jams right now, the things that I'm <clears throat> most focused on. And those are the kind of connections I'm really open to and inviting right now. Tamar, I want to thank you for your insights. Thank you for joining us on the International Business Podcast. Thank you very much. Subscribe today to listen to more international business stories, guests coming on the show every Monday. Do not forget to connect with me on LinkedIn. You can find the link in the show notes. I'll speak with you again on the next episode.